And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. There are many aspects of the Christmas story that are really intriguing to us. Uh, no matter what I say tonight or how long that I speak to you tonight, you're not going to go away thinking that I've done full justice to the text of this story. Uh, even when we take just a, a small segment of it, I can't give you all that there is there because the Word of God is just simply too deep for us to plumb the depths of it. And so this is really an amazing characteristic of this particular story. Uh, it's been told and retold millions of times. Every line of this text that we've just read in Luke chapter 2 has been very closely scrutinized. And that's because preachers are always looking for a fresh new way to approach the Christmas story. But after all these years, 2,000 years now, uh, we've never been able to do it justice. And that's really the way that I felt when... I decided to take just one verse out of the 20 that we've read here and to make it just this small portion of it what I want to speak to you about tonight. I'm looking at verse number 14 where we read, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now those are the words of the heavenly host that joined the angel that announced to the shepherds that Jesus was born. And this is the response of innumerable angels to the wonder and amazement that the God they know, the God that they worship, the God that they adore, God whom they have served since the creation of the world, this God that they know has now come to heaven and is on this earth in a human body. And that thought 
is just really inconceivable. This is God come down out of heaven to bring salvation to men. And so this is God who has taken upon himself the painful duty of restoring the sin-cursed race. And that is simply amazing to the angels. The apostle Peter wrote that angels desire to look into this matter of salvation. And well, they should because Christ was crowned with glory in heaven. He was God. He is God. And now he's taken upon him a shameful descent that will eventually lead to the rejection of men and then to the death of the cross. Angels then know him as the God of glory. So you can imagine the scene here. This angel appears to these shepherds with this announcement, and suddenly all of heaven is peeled back to reveal a great host, a heavenly chorus, that all are singing this one anthem, saying this one anthem, glory to God in the highest, and on peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, I think the shepherds were amazed to see just one angel. I highly doubt they'd ever seen an angel before. And in verse number 10 of the text, this one angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And seeing that one angel, just having that one appear to them was terrifying. And I don't think they saw the types of angels that we we see in nativity scenes. I don't think very many of us would be afraid of those kinds of angels. Sometimes we have the children do a Christmas play and we'll have these little children dressed up as angels and they have the wings and the, and the halos over their head and they really look cute. I don't think anybody in the congregation is really struck with fear when you see those little angels come out. But this angel, I think, was much different. He appeared with the glory of the Lord. And you know what always happened in the scriptures when anyone was allowed to see the glory of the Lord? Fear was a very common reaction, uh, immediate prostration, first going down to the knees and then full out on the ground with a face to the ground. That was often a reaction. In a vision, Isaiah was able to see into the throne room of God, and there he saw angels. And Isaiah could only have one thing come to his mind when he saw that. He said, "'Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips.'" And what he meant was that I am a great sinner. I cannot stand in the presence of God. Ezekiel also saw angels. The ones that he saw had four wings. And under their wings, they had the hands of men. And he said that each one of them had four faces. The face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Can you imagine what it would have been like if that's what these shepherds saw? I mean, do you think that great fear would come upon them because of that? But it wasn't just the one angel they saw. One angel says, don't be afraid because I bring you a message of great joy. But then there was this entire host of angels. And hosts, of course, mean multitudes. As I said, heavens opened up and there's a multitude of angels. We don't know how many there were, but the fear was great in these people because they saw the glory of God and that was shocking and terrifying to see such a sight seeing a host of angels that aren't four- and five-year-old children, but are creatures possibly with the multiple wings and the multiple faces, that struck terror into their hearts. Well, how do you get rid of that kind of fear? Well, it's not a scene that's easily forgotten. And if you read the Christmas story right, you're not going to walk away from what the Bible says here. The reading of Scripture, you can't walk away from it and say, well, so what? Glad that's over. Let's wait till next year. You can't do that when you look at the story right. So how does this anthem of praise, 
All of these angels praising God, how does that get reduced to fairy tales at Christmas? How does Christmas become so secularized that people celebrate the holiday without even considering the one who gave us the holiday? Now, surely the angels are stupefied. They're amazed to see what God did, how he did so much. The God that commands mighty angels to glorify him. How does it happen that man whom God desires to bless so richly is repulsed? How, how does this happen that ungrateful people, when God has done so much, would turn their backs on him? I'm not going to answer that tonight. I'm going to leave that for you to contemplate later. But on this night, that reaction of Jesus, the fact that he would go to the cross, all these things that would happen later, that he would be fully rejected by men, that did not darken the enthusiasm for God's glory. And so they say, glory to God in the highest. Well, we might ask then, why did they give glory to God? And the easiest answer to that question would be, that's what angels do. Angels know him. They, they know that he's the creator of heaven and earth. They know that he's their creator. And they also know that they were created for his glory. And they know that God deserves to be glorified. But this is not just merely responsive worship. It's not a programmed worship. See, angels don't have a pre-programmed liturgy. And you just push an angel's button and all of a sudden he gives glory to God. Now we have a... Our grandson has a Buzz Lightyear action figure, and you push the buttons, and it says, to infinity and beyond, and Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. That's a programmed response. You push the buttons, and you get exactly what you expect. This is not the way it is with angels. They're not programmed. This is contemplative, and this is the right response that anyone gives to the knowledge of what God did in becoming man. Man failed. He sinned. The image of God in man has been marred by sin, And as Charles Wesley wrote in that hymn we sang just a moment ago, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we didn't actually sing the verse that I think is the best one, and that's where Charles Wesley wrote that Christ came to efface Adam's likeness in us and to stamp his own image in its place. So man is cursed by sin, but Jesus Christ, who is God, came to this earth to lift that curse so that man can also praise God with a heavenly host. And to do that, God had to become man. He must live as a man. He must die as a man, but a much different man. He's a holy man. He was a God man. And he was capable of satisfying God as a righteous sacrifice for sins. And the angels know that. This is why they glorify God. The angels see into that redemptive purpose that Christ is now born and Christ will die and Christ will arise from the grave. And in doing so, he would bring salvation to his people. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21, the angel commanded Joseph, he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so there is the purpose for their praises. Now is come the salvation of our God. And so the angels glorified God. The worship that they give, that's towards God. But the message that they bring is for men. And what is the message? Well, they say, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Glorify God, but also on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And I suppose that there's probably not been a verse of Scripture in the Bible that's been as woefully misinterpreted as this one. There are people that'll hoist a hot Christmas toddy all around the world tomorrow 
And they'll be toasting this, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. G. Campbell Morgan, the great English pastor in the last century, wrote, if we look away from these personal experiences, and by that he means the personal experience of peace that comes into a Christian's heart, he says, if we look away from those personal experiences and endeavor to enter into the consciousness of our times and the conditions in the midst of which we live, is it not almost impossible to understand this phrase, on earth peace? That is to say, the ideal seems far from realization. If we contrast all that is suggested by this phrase with all that we find in history, how startling is the difference between peace and the perpetual conflict and unrest, the pain and suffering of this world. We are all conscious of the fact that the world's national peace is a mockery and a sham, that it is merely an armed neutrality based on suspicion. On earth peace, goodwill to men. That is interpreted to mean that Christ has come to bring peace to all men in the world and to end all conflicts. But that could hardly be the meaning of it because Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. And so what do the angels mean when they say, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men? Well, the actual phrase in the Greek language of the New Testament is glory to God in the highest peace among men in whom he is well pleased. You see the difference in that? God is not pleased with all people. And so worldwide peace and harmony among all nations is not what's considered here. Christ has come to bring peace to men that are pleasing to God. Well, who are those people? And what is their peace? Well, the peace is... Actually, the cessation of the enmity between God and man because of sin. Unless we misunderstand that further, we don't mean that any person can be pleasing to God or have peace with God by his own efforts. If that's what the Scriptures mean, then Christ didn't need to become a man. If you can have peace with God by your own efforts, you don't need Christ. And so what Christ did was he came to this earth and there are great tidings of, uh, good tidings of great joy because Jesus came to make peace between God and man. Peace among men in whom he is well pleased. And that pertains to those who have been brought nigh to God by the blood of the cross. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh, by the blood of Christ. And so on this night, on this hillside in Judea, angels that would be terrifying in just about any other circumstance become the harbingers of peace. At some point in the future, Christ is going to come back. In the history of redemption, Christ will come back, and with him there will come another host of angels. But those won't be angels of peace. Those are angels that come with him to bring vengeance on a wicked world, and we're also told that with them will come all the saints of God. Jude said, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I'm always amazed at that scripture and how many times Jude says ungodly. But that's in a future time. For now, the message is peace. 
Glory to God in the highest, because peace between man and God has come. And so this is not a message that deserves to be shoved aside so we can have a secularized Christmas. Christmas is not Christmas without salvation in Jesus Christ. That's why he came to the earth. Babes and angels and mangers and nativities and all the scenes that we see, they don't make Christmas. Christmas trees and the Christmas presents that people give tomorrow, that doesn't really make Christmas. Peace in the hearts of men who are well-pleasing to God because they have had to put their faith in Jesus Christ, that's what Christmas is all about. We have peace because of Christ, and Jesus is the one who makes every Christmas a real Christmas, knowing him. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures that we've read tonight. We thank you for this wonderful story of Jesus coming into the world and and for the clearer understanding that we have of what the angels meant when they said peace toward men. And we know the only way that that can be had is by turning our hearts over to you, to giving, giving you our hearts, our soul, our bodies, everything that's in us, to praise you, to glorify you, and to receive you into our hearts as Savior. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight who hasn't done that, that they've Listen to the words of this very brief message. They sing the, sing the songs about Jesus, and don't let them forget it, what it's all about. It's all about what he came into the world to do. So, Lord, I just pray that you would work in our hearts tonight, that you would convict us of this, that we do need to give God glory because Jesus Christ came into the world to bring us peace, and we thank you for it. Bless all of these people tonight, Lord. We thank you for each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.